Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Loki is undoubtedly one of the most interesting and weirdest figures in Norse mythology, but this video isn't really about him. Well, it kind of is, but the focus is on his four children. Loki's children are often considered monstrous and misunderstood, because they aren't exactly your normal children in terms of appearance. However, when you consider Loki as an eccentric, shape-shifting trickster, it starts to make sense. Now, when I said Loki had four children, that wasn't true. There are four well-known children. Hel, Fenrir, Jormungandr, and Slipnir. These four and their distinct appearances have been somewhat popularised. In both the prose and poetic Edda, Loki is married to the goddess Sigyn, and together they had one son named Narfi or Nari. The role that Loki played in the death of Baldr would see his son pay for his father's actions. Odin had a son named Vali, who was born with only one purpose, to avenge the death of Baldr and to bind and punish Loki. He does this by killing Loki's son Narfi and using his entrails to bind him. There is no other significant mention of Narfi, he kind of just exists to pay for the sins of his father. There is a translation that states Vali was also a son of Loki, and to punish him, the Aesir transformed Vali into a wolf, who then turned on his brother Nari, tearing him to pieces. This translation has been categorised as an error by many historians, as there are several accounts of Vali as the son of Odin. Most of us aren't here for stories of poor Narfi. What about the monstrous children? Loki may have been married, but he still had children with a giantess and a horse. With the Jotun Angerboda, Loki had three children, Hel, Fenrir, and Jormungandr. Their mother's name roughly translates to mean one who brings grief or harm, and she was often associated with anger. So given Loki's mischievous nature, these three were always destined for trouble. 
All three children were raised in Jotunheim, away from the Aesir. When the gods did eventually learn of their existence and their connection to Loki, they were prophesied to bring disaster to all those around them. Odin, wanting to avoid this, ordered the children were found and brought before him. The decision he came to was to separate all three children. Jormungandir, otherwise known as the World Serpent, would be thrown into the sea. Hel would be sent to Niflheim, where she would reign over the region also known as Hel. Fenrir was to remain with the gods in Asgard, where they could watch over him closely. So let's begin with Loki's daughter Hel. Of the three children, she was given the most responsibility. In Niflheim, she would rule over Hel, which we can somewhat equate to the underworld. By Odin, she was granted authority over the Nine Worlds. When someone died of sickness or old age, it was Hel's responsibility to collect and house them. We do see Hel's name appear in a number of sagas and poems, and it's almost always relating to somebody's death. As you may expect from a deity or spirit associated with the underworld, Hel has a gloomy and sombre appearance and demeanour. Her face is described as half blue and half flesh-coloured. There are even historians who refer to her as the Half-Goddess. In the Prose Edda, she is described as ruling over the vast mansions in Hell, with many servants including her loyal hound Garm. When we do see Hell's name mentioned, it's mostly done in passing, so we never really develop an idea of her personality, other than being indifferent or disinterested in the lives of both the living and the dead. The most significant story she appears in is surrounding the death of Baldir. When Baldir is slain, knowing he will reside in Hell, the Aesir send an emissary to travel to Hell and attempt to retrieve him. The chosen god was Baldir's brother, Hermod. When he arrived in Hell, he found his brother and agreed to speak to Hell herself in the morning. Hermod pleaded with Hel to free his brother, claiming that every living being shed a tear for Baldir when he died. Hel then set a challenge. She would release Baldir if everything in the universe shed a tear for him, both living and dead. And so the gods travelled the cosmos, ensuring that everything they came across shed a tear for Baldir. Everything or everyone, except for the Jotun or giantess known as Pock, who refused to shed a tear. With this one failure, Hel deemed the love for Baldir was untrue, and so he would remain in Hell. When Loki arrives at the battle between the gods and the forces of Surt, he is accompanied by all of Hel's souls. So even if Hel herself took no part in this battle, she allowed her father to borrow the souls of those who had passed, and thus fulfilled the prophecy of disaster. 
Fenrir is easily identified as the giant wolf. When the three siblings were separated, Fenrir was the only child the gods took back to Asgard. When feeding the young pup, they noticed him growing at an abnormal speed, and when his growth continued endlessly, the gods began to worry. At this point, he had displayed no evil or cruel tendencies, but he was still a wolf that would never stop growing, which if left unchecked would surely lead to the disastrous prophecy coming true. Fenrir was prophesied to kill Odin, and his two sons, Skoll and Hati, were prophesied to swallow the sun and the moon. The gods decided for the safety of everyone, the best course of action was to bind Fenrir. They did this by testing three restraints or chains to see which one was able to hold him. In order to test them, they had to lie to Fenrir, pretending each one was merely a test of his strength, to which he gladly accepted the challenge. Each time Fenrir broke free, the gods cheered, telling him that he would be remembered for his tremendous strength. In reality, the gods' fears only grew every time he was able to break free. Odin decided it was time to enlist some help from the dwarves, and so he sent a messenger to Svartalheim. Here the dwarves used six mythical ingredients to create a binding known as Glipnir, a soft silk ribbon that was deceptively strong. Examining the ribbon, Fenrir was wary. He told the gods after breaking the great iron chains, a mere ribbon would garner him no fame unless it was made to trick him, in which case he refused to be bound. The gods replied if Fenrir could not break such a slender binding, then they would have nothing to fear and he would be released. Fenrir agreed, but had one condition. He would be bound by the ribbon if one of the gods agreed to place their hand in his mouth as a sign of good faith. The Aesir looked around and no one was willing to volunteer, knowing full well that if they placed their hand into the wolf's jaws, they would surely lose it once he was unable to break the binding. Only one was brave enough. Tyr stepped forward and placed his right hand into the wolf's jaws. The ribbon was wrapped tightly around Fenrir and he began to struggle. Even with all his might, the ribbon stood firm and the gods cheered, all except Tyr. Fenrir, realizing he had been betrayed by the gods, bit down and took Tyr's hand. The gods tied the ribbon to a stone slab and hammered it deep into the ground. They took a sword and placed it into his mouth, the hilt touching his bottom jaw and the point of the sword, the upper portion, forcing his mouth open so he could never bite down again. Fenrir howled in pain, but no one would answer, and there he would remain bound until Ragnarok. When Ragnarok came, his sons Skoll and Hati swallowed the sun and the moon. The earth began to shake and the mountains began to crumble. The bindings holding him snapped and he was finally able to take revenge on the gods. 
It says that many men will join the battle from Valhalla, but when the wolf arrives, even their numbers will seem too little. When Fenrir arrived on the battlefield, he found Odin, and after a gruelling encounter, he would swallow and kill the Allfather. Odin's son, Vior, would avenge his father's death by stepping into Fenrir's jaws, placing one foot on the lower jaw and holding up the upper jaw with one hand. Fenrir, unable to bite down, was helpless. Vior then tore the wolf's jaw apart, finally killing Fenrir. The only one of the prophesized children we've yet to mention is the world serpent, Jormungandr who is also known as the Midgard Serpent, because it was thrown into the ocean that encircles Midgard. Jormungandr was a serpent so big that it could encircle the entirety of Midgard and place its own tail in its mouth. Jormungandr also has several encounters with the god Thor, who he is prophesied to kill during Ragnarok. One encounter occurs when Thor goes fishing with the giant Hymir. As the day went on, Thor wanted a bigger catch each time, and demanded to be taken to the deepest waters. Here he casts the most sturdy line he has, and when a fish bites to Thor's surprise and Hymir's horror, it's not actually a fish, it's the world serpent. Thor relishes the opportunity and picks up his hammer ready to smash the serpent to pieces. Hymir, on the other hand, is absolutely terrified, and with good reason, as it stated, When the world serpent removes its tail from its mouth, it is a sign of Ragnarok. Hymir, not too keen on the end of the world, decides to cut the line, and the world serpent sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Arguably, the first encounter between the two was the one that started this entire rivalry, in the story of Utgard Loki. When Thor and his group of adventurers encounter the giant king Utgard Loki, he has them perform a number of challenges. When it comes to Thor, he questions his strength. He challenges him to lift a giant cat above his head. This cat, however, was Jormungandr, enchanted and disguised as a giant cat. Thor does manage to lift the cat, however, only one of its paws leaves the ground, and thus he has failed. Later on in the story, Utgard Loki confesses to Thor that he tricked him. His attempt at lifting the cat was more impressive than he knew, as the cat was the world serpent in disguise. Thor takes this personally, and vows revenge on the World Serpent for the humiliation he suffered, hence the eagerness to kill him when fishing. The last time Thor meets Jormungandr is during Ragnarok, where Jormungandr emerges from the ocean spraying poison at everything in his way. Thor does eventually kill the serpent, but before he can walk away, he succumbs to the poison and also dies. 
The last and undoubtedly the weirdest of Loki's children is Slipnir, the eight-legged horse. And the weirdest part isn't even the horse with eight legs, it's the circumstances surrounding his birth. In this instance, Loki is actually not the father, he's the mother. The father is the steed Svadalfari, and Loki is the mother because at the time he transformed into a horse and gave birth to Slipnir himself. To protect from the Jotnar, the gods hired a builder to construct a wall to keep the invaders away. The builder had approached them asking for the goddess Freya, the sun and the moon in exchange for his services, so not a particularly demanding fellow or anything. After some discussion, they agreed to this deal with some additional restrictions. The builder was to complete the work by himself and do so within three seasons. He was only allowed assistance from his stallion Svadalfari, who would carry the huge stones needed to build the wall. The builder progressed much faster than the gods anticipated. The three seasons they had given him was because they deemed it to be an insufficient amount of time, and therefore he would break the agreement and forfeit his right to the goddess Freya. Loki had managed to convince them that the horse would make no difference. Now merely three days away from the deadline, the wall was almost complete, and so the gods turned the blame towards Loki. He was told that he either found a way to sabotage the builder, or he would die a horrible death. And so Loki vowed to do whatever it took to rectify the situation. During the night when the Builder and his stallion did most of the heavy lifting, they came across a mare. The stallion began to chase the mare into the woods, and left the Builder with a heap of stone he could not move. This mare was Loki in disguise, and after a night of being chased around, the stallion eventually caught him, and they mated. Loki gave birth to an eight-legged horse that would be known as Slipnir, the fastest of all horses and the chosen mount of Odin. The gods soon realised that this mysterious builder was a Jotun, and so Thor was summoned to smash his head to pieces. Loki had played his part and done everything in his control to stop the builder, and was forgiven by the gods on this occasion. Loki's children are an interesting cautionary tale. They may have been monstrous in appearance, however there is an argument to be made that they became monsters because of how they were treated by Odin and the Aesir, a self-fulfilling prophecy that leaves us pondering what could have happened if they were just left to their own devices. I guess we'll never truly know.